Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. football fans and welcome to the onside kick my name is ricky widmer and as always i'm joined by the mark weber and you guys might be noticing hey ricky what's going on mark sounds a little bit different like he may be on this thing called a cellular phone or a telephone device that's because mark is out of town for the week so we decided instead of not giving you guys a podcast for this week Mark would just uh, call on in and be on the MVP hotline for this podcast. And you said you're in Rockford, Illinois, Mark? Yeah, yeah, doing uh, doing some business. So for those of you in Illinois who know what Rockford is, that's where Mark is in the world right now. But we got a jam-packed show, mostly because the Dolphins did what the Raiders did. I want to say it was last year, but since 2008, it's what the Raiders have done twice and what the Browns have done and what several teams have done fire a coach after the first four games Joe Philbin out as head coach of the Dolphins and now the tight ends coach comes in to be the head coach and this is kind of the first thing I thought of Mark was this was the team that I thought was going to win that sixth wild card spot this was that team yeah yeah I mean it's it's been surprising completely so far uh everybody Looks like they've got egg on their face from this one because everybody bought in to the hype for the most part, um, and now for them to have been so so bad to start off going one and three, uh, firing a head coach, questions about the quarterback if he's even gonna you know be around in the next couple of years. Uh, it's it, it looks bad. It really does. And this team, this is kind of just a summary of what the Dolphins had been under Joe Philbin. Just constantly underperforming, um, always being very middle of the road, very average, uh, and just not performing to the level that they have players at. Well, could you say this is not just them under Joe Philbin, but kind of the Dolphins ever since they went undefeated? The what was it? The seventeen and zero season. That was before mm-hmm. we had nineteen games. But I mean, under Joe Philbin, in case you're like Ricky, I don't remember his records from year to year. He had seven and nine, eight and eight, eight and eight, and then this past season, the one that he didn't make it all the way through, one and three. So twenty four and twenty eight as coach of the Miami Dolphins. And the one thing I kind of think of is it kind of reminded me of when they talk about head coaches and kind of owners, but mostly head coaches kind of handcuffing themselves to a quarterback. And mm-hmm. I just I can't help but kind of put a little bit of blame on this on Ryan Tannehill. Because, I mean, since Ryan Tannehill has gotten to the league, I mean, he's been good. I want to say he's been good, but he hasn't been that kind of 
we're waiting for we've been waiting for him to take the next step per se because i mean he had over 3200 yards the first year then okay 39 okay last year he's at over 4000 yards on the season he's his touchdowns touchdown numbers last year were the highest that it's been in his career lowest interception numbers but then this year it's like okay you're just over a thousand yards seven touchdowns five ints and what's the worst part of it is if it's i'm kind of going to quote Stephen a smith from um first take this morning if this is true it is terrible that ryan Tannehill is telling practice squatters and trash talking practice squatters like oh have fun with that practice squad money it's terrible Mm -hmm. if it is true and i mean that's a guy i hear that and i go he's not the leader of this team get him out of the quarterback spot yeah it's it's interesting um so so when it comes to ryan Tannehill, he's actually he has gotten better um better every every season uh what's surprising and unfortunate is a quarter of the way through the season he's one interception away from half the interceptions he threw last year uh and that's that's really bad i mean that's on pace currently he's on pace to throw more interceptions than he's ever thrown um in his short career so so that's not good that's definitely not good uh should some blame go to ryan Tannehill? sure there should be uh some blame going to him uh but Joe Philbin didn't, you know, give him the big contract. That's a GM issue right there. Um, you know, they drafted Ryan Tannehill. A lot of people kind of thought a little early uh, when it happened, but that was kind of just the thing to do. Uh, the biggest problem, I think, with the Miami Dolphins right now, just looking at the team at the moment, is if Ryan Tannehill is gone, if there's just a complete meltdown, if, you know, you're seeing – to kind of go off what you're saying, uh, he's not a good leader, so get him out of here. Then the problem is Matt Moore becomes the quarterback. Oh, I'm not saying, like, when I say get him out of here, I'm not saying get him out right this second. Because, I mean, part of me is like, okay, well, you can A, still kind of coach him up, and if Mm -hmm. I'm the new head coach, I'm saying, hey, you know what, I'm calling Tannehill into my office, and I'm basically saying act like a fucking leader, dude. Come on, mm-hmm. what the fuck is this? You've been in the league four years, and you're going to act like this? Get your shit together. Supposedly, yeah. At the, Supposedly. at the end of the year, that's when I make the evaluation, and if it's you're like, hey, you know what, this is a guy we don't want on our roster, you get rid of him. But I mm-hmm. say with Tannehill, you're not making a move right now. You're waiting until the end of the year. Yeah, oh, you, I mean, because you owe, essentially they owe, they definitely owe him money for the next two years. Um I believe it's the next two years, mm-hmm. uh, or at the very least next year. Uh, so they owe him money. That's that's not going away. Uh, it, it's just I don't know. It's an interesting situation here for the Miami Dolphins. I really, I think getting rid of Joe Philbin's a good thing. I didn't think hiring Joe, Joe Philbin was a great idea. Um, I thought he benefited as many players do from having greatest quarterback of all time next to them. You know, he was playing or he was coaching with Aaron Rodgers out there. Mm-hmm. So I could have been the offensive coordinator <laughs> in Green Bay, and I would have gotten hired by the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, because Aaron Rodgers basically, with the help of, you know, Starks, essentially won 
a, a Super Bowl for him. You know, just handed him the ring and said, here you go, now go have fun in Miami. Uh, you know, in Miami, the biggest thing for Miami, it just goes to show you, I do truly believe it's a coaching problem. Because look at that team. I mean, how is it that Cameron Wake and Adamican Sue aren't sacking the quarterback like five times a game? Mm-hmm. I, obviously, that's an exaggeration. But how is it that they're not doing that? Because it's it's like this is the best defensive line on paper. Mm-hmm. So well, in that case, like, why is it not translating? That's a coaching issue. That's well, a problem for Tannen, or for Philbin. One of the things I'm going to throw out here, and did you see anything in first take today? Any clips? Any before no, I throw this out I here, Mark? Okay. Watch, I didn't get to watch any anything. So I'm going to throw this out question for you because I saw this on first take today because they were talking about the whole Dan Campbell and the Miami Dolphins. I want to say it was Stephen A. again went ahead and said, if you are Dan Campbell for this next game that you play, because you got the bye this week, then you're playing next week. The first thing you do is you're not going to treat Ndamukong Sue like I said, you would just treat Ryan Tannehill. Where mm-hmm. you can't get up in his face. I mean, Dan Campbell's a big guy, tight ends coach, but Dominic and Sue's a scary guy himself. And I wouldn't want to go toe to toe with the Dominic and Sue. No, but I'll kick you in the face. What you will <laughs> kick you in the face. But what you can do is you can bring the Dominic and Sue in, he said, and just ask him, okay, you had a pretty good defense, one of the top defenses in the league when you were in Detroit. What did you do? What did you do when you were there? And for the next game, you pull the defensive coach over, he said, and you go, hey, whatever Sue says, you do. Because guess mm-hmm. what? Whatever we're doing right now is not working. And you humor him a little bit. You get Sue kind of on your side. It's kind of like the way I saw him thinking about it is me as a teacher. It's like the kid that kind of the little kid that's going to disrupt. Well, hey, you know what? I'll let him do at the end of class, one thing he really likes to do if he's really good that day. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it sounded like. You're going to appease Nadamik and Sue to get him back on your side. That's what it now, sounded like to me. Two things on that. One, I don't think that works with Nadamik and Sue because of who Nadamik and Sue is. I just don't, he does not seem, to me, he seems like the person you don't want to give him any power, you mm-hmm. know, because he is either not going to give it back or he's just not a person you can really trust with it. Uh, two, I think really the way to get back to Nadamik and Sue is just start winning games. I mean, I think he's just a guy who, I mean, he came to Miami because he wanted to, to win, win games. games and get paid. Uh, getting paid was a big part of it, mm-hmm. but he wanted to win some games uh, and they're not doing that right now. So they will lose him. Similar to, you know, how in Philadelphia, DeMarco Murray goes there to win games, and what are they not doing? Winning games. He's not happy. Uh, so with the Dominican too, I really just, I, I think once they start winning games, then he'll be happy, which leads me to my big question with the whole situation that we have here, the interim situation, being why the tight end coach? You know, why not go for the strength of this team? The strength of this team should be that defense. Mm-hmm. So let's get a defensive-minded coach in there. Let's get somebody who knows defense, who knows the defense of the Miami Dolphins, and let's let them run the show. Because that's, I you know, the thing about Ryan Tannehill, it doesn't look great, but it doesn't look terrible right now. If you put in a defensive 
minded coach mm-hmm. who has the defense playing up and they're keeping games close. And then Ryan Tannehill's going to win some games. And then you're back in the playoff conversation. Uh, you know, because they're not out of the playoff conversation right now. They're only one and three. So I don't, I don't know. It's tight end coach to me was, I think, not the smartest idea. I'm not in the, you know, the war room. So maybe Dan Campbell's going to be a fantastic coach. Maybe the players love him. I'm not completely sure, but well, the I would thought they go defense. I just did while you were talking a little bit, Mark, that if you're going defense, let's say you're in Miami, you're like, okay, we got to strengthen up the defense. Defensive coordinator, you're going to step up. That's Kevin Coyle. And a little bit about Kevin Coyle, if you're sitting there going, hey, you know what, Ricky? I don't know nothing about this guy. I'm not a Dolphins fan. He's been the D.C. for Miami since Philbin was there. So he's he came in the same year that Philbin did in 2012. Before that, his only NFL experience was from 2001 to 2011. He was with the Cincinnati Bengals as cornerback coach and defensive back coach. So that's who you're looking at. Whereas Dan Campbell's been with the Dolphins as a coach. He had like a coaching intern in 2010. He was there from 2011 to 2015 as the tight ends coach. So he maybe to me, I'm looking at that and I just see, okay, Maybe you want to say, what did we, let's get out of the Philbin era. This guy was here before Philbin can get us back to some kind of success. Plus the way I see it is everyone's talking about how, oh, he's a big guy and he's, he can like get in your face. Maybe for the Mm -hmm. Dolphins, that's what you need. You need someone to get into people's faces. I mean, to bring up Ryan Tannehill again, another thing that, um, the media was reporting is that Joe Philbin would tell the teammates, Hey, take it easy on Ryan Tannehill. Cause we got to get his confidence up. But yeah. then he's trash talking practice squatters as they intercept him. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's funny. Um, I did, I didn't read up a little bit on the, uh, take it easy on Tannehill situation, which I think is very funny. I think that also goes to show you, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the thought. I think it's a good idea of, like, hey, let's do something to boost up our quarterback's confidence. But it really goes to show you that Joe Philbin is not fit to be a head coach. That is a bad idea. Like, that just does not work mm-hmm. in practice. Uh, now, I think it's, it's funny, too, when it goes hand-in-hand hand with another thing that we talked about today with everybody's favorite quarterback, Tom Brady, and how he's paying guys on the practice squad when they intercept him. He's like, oh, congrats, good job, you know. You intercepted me, the great Tom Brady. Have some extra money. Yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's the big difference between Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady. But I just, I mean, one of the coaches, and I see this on ESPN, one of their articles just says, Jason Garrett knows what former teammate Dan Campbell will experience. Mm-hmm. And... I kind of just saw that and I thought, wow, that's kind of true because Jason Garrett was one of those situations where he took over in 2010 after the Cowboys said, hey, Wade Phillips. Yeah. Bye. Because they started that was after eight games in the 2010 season where Mm -hmm. they were one and seven at that point. And then Jason Garrett kind of came into 
make them a five and three team the rest of that year. So he pulled it out to, we got to an eight and eight season that year. And then he got the contract and obviously he's still the coach of mm-hmm. the Dallas Cowboys. But I kind of feel like, I don't know if Dan Campbell can, and I'm not putting this on Dan Campbell when I say this, I'm putting this on the team. I don't know if Miami is savable this season. I do not know if he is going to get the the same kind of numbers or the same success that Jason Garrett was able to get in 2010 with the Cowboys. I mean, I think there's good potential. I do think there's good potential with um, the Dolphins um, to to bounce back and do things. I, I think the, the the path for them is just get the defense back on track. And I think once everyone else, I, I don't want to. I'm not trying to say it like uh, Tannehill's a lost cause or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I think going through Tannehill, which seems to seem to have been the idea so far, I, I think was the wrong way to go. I think they got to go back to defense, defensive minded, and then the rest of the offense will fall into place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that'll be, that'll be their best bet in that case. Now, I just, I just don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm not confident in it happening, but I do like uh, that, you know, Dan Campbell coming in and saying, I'm not here to get through the rest of the season. I'm here to win the game. You know, they say, I'm going to, I'm being here. I'm the actual coach. Yeah. You might be interim right now, but I'm going to be a real coach and we're going to win some games. We're going to try and get into the playoffs. Well, and I just, to me, I look back at, because I went to look up, okay, that roster from the, that 2010 Cowboy team that Jason Garrett took over. And I just don't think, yeah, for most of the season, I think for entirely for Garrett's time, they had John Kitna because Romo was, injured after I want to say the first six games of that season. But I mean, John Kitna, you look at him to Ryan Tannehill and it's like, okay, Ricky, you're not making that big of a point that Garrett had it easier, but you look other ways. I mean, Felix Jones, 800 yard rusher that season with Mm -hmm. you had the other two behind him, Marion, the barbarian at 374 yards. That was before he was the washed up running back that ran out of bounds in Chicago. Then you had, uh, yeah. then you had a two, almost a two fifty rusher in uh, Tashard Choice. So I mean, you had a three headed running back crew, just led by Felix Jones. And then I mean, you had two thousand yard receivers that year with Miles Austin and Jason Witten. But then you also mm-hmm. had Des Bryant and Roy Williams with at least five thirty yards that season. So, I mean, on the offense, you had weapons, and then on the defense, they, that was the year they had Keith Brooking coming over from Atlanta, Terrence Newman, DeMarcus Ware was there, Alan Ball was there, you had Skandrick was still there. I mean, I just look at this Cowboy roster, and except for John Kitna, I just look and say, what does the like this Dolphins team, they don't have any players that, besides the Dominican Sue and... Ryan Tannehill, there's no other players that jump out on the page to me. Lamar Miller is not going to be an 800-yard rusher this season. I mean, Landry and Matthews are not going to do what you had Miles Austin do that season. Jordan Cameron doesn't seem to be the Jason Witten that 
Jason Witten was that season, and I just I don't know if they have the same weapons to do what mm-hmm. Jason Garrett and the Cowboys did in 2010. Uh, yeah, I, I can agree with that for sure. Um, and, and I mean, there was a certain resiliency to the Cowboys that I don't I don't know if we're going to get out of this this roster here. Uh, is it possible? Completely. But I, I am not 100% convinced. Uh, you know, and I and another thing, uh, this is something I am convinced of, though. Okay. I am convinced, Ricky, that this is not going to be the first coach that gets fired in this season. Who else? You, that was the next thing we were going to talk about. Give me one coach that you do. I'm going to throw it mm-hmm. out this way. Do you want to give me a coach that's going to get fired at the end of the season or one that you don't think will make it to the end of the season? I can give you both. Okay, give me one that won't make it to the end of the season. I do not believe that Jim Caldwell will make it to the end of the season. Really? There's too much talent on the Detroit Lions for him to be there and them not to be winning games. Mm -hmm. Also, I mean, where is the money? I mean, if you watched Monday Night Football, what was John Gruden saying the entire time? You know? Where is the money? It's in Matthew Stafford's right arm, mm-hmm. and it's in Megatron. What are they not doing? Throwing the ball vertical anymore. They don't throw it. They, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're thinking. It's just bad game planning. Like I don't. It doesn't make sense. They don't have the team to to you know to try and play the way they are playing. Now you're saying to, you're hmm. saying that that's all on Caldwell. Like Caldwell, well, it's more of a system thing you're not doing this rather than Stafford mm-hmm. and Megatron performing you, well I mean Megatron is older so that, that definitely contributes a little bit and Matthew but Stafford he, has not looked good no he hasn't uh, but I don't think this fits Matthew Stafford and I don't think it fits Megatron mm-hmm. and Golden Tate was looking great last year you know uh, and they do have a great running back up there that they're trying to use now um but I really think, I mean, this team was set up to be, you know, just a little bit further east of the Green Bay Packers. You know, they were set up to be the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Of, we got a great quarterback. We got good wide receivers. We're going to throw the ball all day. We're going to outscore you. You know, and they happen to have some great defensive players for a while, too, that they don't have anymore. Yeah. Um, I just don't see real effort. I don't see uh, much heart out there on, on those players when the, when the Detroit Lions are playing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem, I mean, honestly, it doesn't seem that much different than than the uh, than the Miami Dolphins. And now to have a win basically stolen from them, um, which I mean, we could get into that if we wanted. But for, for that missed call, that, it goes one of two ways. You know what's the most interesting part about that call to me from yesterday's game? Huh. And I didn't realize it until John Brinkus of Sports Science on ESPN brought it up. That was the same end zone and yep. the same section of the end zone as the touchception. Now, I think the, the interesting thing uh, is this kind of plays in one of two ways, I think. It either goes as a motivating factor of mm-hmm. their saying, you know, it's a, it's a chip on the shoulder. It's, you know, the world against us. So we're going to play better. Or, which I think there's a good chance it goes this way, they just essentially start shutting down 
Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's hopeless. Even when we are winning and we are going to win, it still gets taken away from us. I, I kind of feel it's going to go the second way, the latter, where mm-hmm. the Lions are just going to shut down. And I mean, I'm not putting that on Caldwell. Like, if it goes that way, I'm not putting it on Caldwell because after the game, I loved Caldwell's response. It doesn't matter. We lost the game. That yeah. was his response. We lost the game, case in point. And I mean, as a, as the Lions, that's all you can do is say, hey, we lost the game. Mm-hmm. Look on to the next one. However, I mean, I don't know. Like, can they obviously rebound? Yes. However, your next game's against the Cardinals this week. Yep. So I and the Cardinals are coming off of a tough divisional loss. So I just don't see I don't see them rebounding this week. However, that October 18th game home against Chicago, that's a game they can rebound against. The good thing for Detroit, though, they're at mm-hmm. home the next four games. So they got a yeah. nice you can go back to your home stadium and just say, OK, you know what? We're just going to try to win one of them. And Bears, Vikings, Chiefs, very winnable games there for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Um, so so that one will be interesting. But uh, to, to go for the other guy, the guy who I think. Well, the, will... I want to add one thing before you go to the mm-hmm. other guy. And this is just one thing I looked up with Jim Caldwell. Kind of to make your point of you said this about um, Joe Philbin about mm-hmm. working with great quarterbacks. During his time, he spent one year in Tampa as a quarterback's coach, then spent a chunk of time from 02 to 2011 as the Colts quarterback coach, assistant head coach, and head coach. Then he was with the Baltimore Ravens with, for two years before coming to the Lions in 2014. Quarterbacks that he has worked with, Brad Johnson and Sean King, 2001 with the Bucks. Peyton Manning from 02 to 2010, Curtis Painter, Dan Orlowski, Kerry Collins in that 2011 season. Oh, yeah. And then Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for a chunk of his time as a quarterback's coach and assistant head coach, he had Peyton Manning throwing the ball, which you could basically yeah. do anything with Peyton out there. For sure. For sure. Give me your other uh, coach, the one that's going to get fired at the end of the year. So I, I think this guy probably should be fired during the season, but I think he has too much power, too much control, uh, and I think you have to let his, you have to just wait and see. He's been trying to mastermind this concoction of a team. Oh, I know who you're going to say. And I, I think you have to see it through for this season. Can I take that's a guess at I who think. you're talking about? Sure. Chip Kelly. Yes, that's yeah, why you have I knew to it. let Chip Kelly finish off. You got to let him finish the season because – I mean, he is convinced that he has this master plan. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what it is. Nobody can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but he thinks it's there. Um, you know, I, I really do firmly believe that next season we're going to see Chip Kelly back in college football um, because it's just not working out. All his moves, all his planning, all his scheming has not worked out. Most of it has actually backfired on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Everyone was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Everybody was willing to call him a genius. Now everybody is, once again, like the Miami Dolphins. We all bought in on that hype. Now we all look dumb. Well, <laughs> I, okay. I'm not going to say that 
Chip Kelly's mastermind, like it, him, his system. I'm not going to say that's the problem. I'm act, I'd actually put it on moves that the Eagles have made. And there's mm-hmm. two moves. There's two moves that I just blame this whole demise on. Cause they're just like you said, just like the dolphins, they're one and three after four games. Move number one, trading LaShawn McCoy away to the Bills. Yeah, you can say that I know what you're going to think is, oh, well, Ricky, that's case in point because Kiko Alonso was done for the year, even if Kiko Alonso was healthy. I mean, LaShawn McCoy in Chip Kelly's system could do better than Ryan Matthews and DeMarco Murray. Well, DeMarco Murray kind of got to give him the ball for him to do anything. But LaShawn McCoy is the perfect back. I know there was like some kind of tension between him and Chip, but I mean, you got to make it work to win. And then Mm -hmm. when they traded Nick Foles was the other move, because why would you go like Nick Foles had some good games in Chip Kelly's system? Why would you get rid of that for Sam Bradford? Who all people we didn't like. I'm not saying Sam Bradford's a bad quarterback. I'm not going to do what our old podcast host Dave Oster used to say and just bash mm-hmm. Sam Bradford. But but it, but it just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't make sense. There's a huge question mark around him because Injury, he hasn't played. And he's not mobile. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean the not mobile thing. I think you can. You can't get. I kind of want to say you can't get around. No, you can't get around. I kind of feel though with this team, there's a. There's something wrong when you paid DeMarco Murray so much money and he only has 29 touches for 47 yards after four games. Mm-hmm. Like, that's absurd. Yeah, and it, I don't, that one makes no sense to me either. Um, I, I don't see the rationale because you did pay him. You paid him good mm-hmm. money. So you got to use him at this point. Like, you don't, you after, don't just try and, and uh, you know, put him in a committee. When he's being paid like a number one back. After the first four games of last season, DeMarco Murray was averaging about 20, I'd say about 23, maybe 22 and a half, maybe even 24, like attempts, carries per game. And he was averaging at least over 100 yards per game 118, 167, 149, 100 yard game. It's like now 47 yards through those first four games. Just use the guy. (laughs) And I mean, maybe this is. And plus, if I was the Eagles, this is the perfect example of maybe they shouldn't have signed DeMarco Murray because originally they went ahead and they got Frank Gore. And then Frank Gore spurred them for the Indianapolis Colts. Right after that, they made the move, okay, we're going to sign Ryan Matthews. What I would have done if I was Chip Kelly and the Eagles, that I would have said, fine, there's our running back. We don't have mm-hmm. to pay DeMarco Murray. You can go ahead and spend that money elsewhere. But they kind of did, they did the Madden move where they said, oh, okay, like you, you go in Madden and you pay that guy, you go, okay, I got my running back. Oh, but wait, I didn't expect this guy to be a free agent. Oh, I've got some money left over. Here, let me throw some money at him. In Madden, it works. In real life, it seems like it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's what this whole offseason seemed like for the Eagles. It seems like he is trying to play Madden. 
And it's just not like it worked the first couple of years. It's not working mm-hmm. now. And I, I put it, like I said, I put it on those just two moves, Nick Foles, LaShawn McCoy. I'm going to throw out a coach. And this is one that I don't think he gets. I don't think he'll get canned during the season. Hell, he may not even get canned at the end of the season, but should he get canned at the end of the season? Absolutely. Lovey mm-hmm. Smith. I feel yeah. like Tampa Bay is just Tampa Bay is not going to do anything no. under Lovey Smith. And I mean, if you're the Buccaneers right now, let's say the Buccaneers have a bad, another bad season this year. Cause that's on pace. They're like the bill or not the bills like the dolphins, a one in three team. As of right now, you have Jameis Winston. If you have a bad season this year, get rid of Lovey and get someone in there that can work with Jameis. Because mm-hmm. we all know what Lovey can do at quarterbacks. I mean, come on, he had Rex Grossman. And the only yeah, reason I why mean, Rex Grossman did anything good was he had a defense. Exactly. And his defense hasn't been good. Well, plus the mm-hmm. fact that when you're just playing your basic Tampa 2, it's already shown for, I mean, I can say this very firmly because I'm from Chicago, uh, obviously. But we saw it not work for years because after about 2006, 2007, it stopped working mm-hmm. and everybody figured it out. Um, and it's just, it's just not, it's not playing out well. Uh, and it's, um, you know, it's unfortunate for, for Lonnie Smith being the guy who was known for having such a great defense mm-hmm. when his defensive scheme just doesn't work anymore. Uh, and then in the same you know breath, being known for having like the inability to work with a quarterback, he cannot get anything out of a quarterback. So I don't know why you think he's going to get out of Jameis Winston. I mean, because Jameis Winston needs a coach that can work with him. Uh, so so yeah, I, I can agree with that for sure. Um, well, and the this only is... the, the one wrinkle I'll say to that, okay, is if they say. Well, Lovey Smith is, I mean, where uh, James Winston is a rookie. Let's give him at least one more year. Let's not change his his head coach just yet. Here's the thing I say. Here's my, and this is what I was going to bring up, my retort to that exact comment. Mm -hmm. I say you have to do it. You have to get him something new because, like you said, he's a rookie. And within, I would say, coming into the NFL the first three years, are the most important because that's where we want to see your most develop your most development. I want to say with Aaron Rodgers, he sat for three years, right? It was three mm-hmm. years under Brett Favre before uh, he I came in, and under the right coach, under the right tutelage. I'm not hinting that Brett Favre was the ultimate, like the ultimate teacher for Aaron Rodgers, because we all know Brett Favre never played the teacher role to Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers, but. Green Bay had a system that he was able to work with. And yeah, it was three years, 05, 06, 07. He sat behind Brett Favre. And one of the biggest things that I thought between Mariota and Winston in this draft, coming into this draft, was Jameis Winston is a quarterback who is could be totally dependent on whatever coach he has to help him with his development. He is mm-hmm. not a player that can develop 
on an upward trend in three years by himself. He needs a great coaching staff behind him. Whereas Marcus Mariota, yeah, Ken Wisenhunt isn't your trash of a head coach. He's done some good things, especially in Arizona. I mean, going to a Super Bowl, but he's got the head on his shoulders to where he needs a little bit less of, I still need, everyone needs a coach to help them reach their potential, but he seems like the kind of quarterback where he can make some of that upward trend on his own and isn't as dependent on the bottle or the head coach as Jameis Winston is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what Tampa does. Um, they probably should not convince that they will, uh, especially because Lovey Smith has gone to a Super Bowl. So they probably feel like they got a guy who's good. Mm-hmm. They probably feel like they got a guy who can be successful. Um, so it'll it'll be it'll be hard for them to throw that out, especially when so far I don't know who like the standout guy would be this year. I mean, well, last and- year last year it was obvious. You know, now this year I mean we still have a lot of football to play, mm-hmm. but it's there has. Nobody jumps to mind when you think of that next offensive or defensive coordinator that's going to get the head coaching job. Mm -hmm. Well, I just think of, too, and this is a kind of defensively, this is a kind of knock I have against Lovey is you get fired from Chicago. Yeah, it was a 10 and 6 season, but you get fired from Chicago. And one of the biggest things that people diss later on is your defense. So what do you do? You bring on Charles Tillman, who got injured. You bring on Tim Jennings. You bring on Major Wright, Chris Conti. It's like Chicago got rid of these guys for a reason, because you wouldn't get rid of them. Why would you bring, like, Tim Jennings? Why would you bring... Chris Conti should not be playing in the NFL. Let's make that clear. Let's make that clear. He should not be playing... In the NFL, major right. I mean, as a special teamer, shouldn't be mm-hmm. your starting strong safety. And I mean, Tim Jennings is in his tenth season. It's like really, and he's going to be your third or fourth cornerback. And right now on the depth chart, he's listed behind Ultron Verner, so he's either the third or fourth cornerback. However you look at it, really to me, it's like you're just handcuffing yourself to these guys, and that's why you're not going to be successful anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't make sense. I mean, he, it's almost like he doesn't realize that, that these guys have aged, that mm-hmm. the season, I mean, that the NFL itself has progressed, and he, he's trying to just live in the past still from when it was successful, because it was extremely successful, uh, and then it was extremely not successful not too long after that. Uh, and he's just gonna cling cling to the past. Um, I don't know. I don't know, Ricky. I'm gonna throw out two coaches that could get fired if their teams don't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This this has the kind of paper stapled to it or paper clipped to the top of it of if they don't make the playoffs, these coaches get fired. Mike Tomlin. Him, I'm more confident than the second one. The second one, I just want to throw the name out there. 
Jason Garrett. Mm-hmm. I know we talked about him during our Miami kind of segment of the show, but I mean, with Jason Garrett, yeah, he did great things that first season, but ever since it's been three, eight and eights last year was a 12 and four. And that was your only playoff appearance. Yeah. Which was good. I mean, well, it's Jason Garrett to get on him first. It's tough for me to, to say that one because, because uh, of the what injuries they did last year, injuries is a huge part of it. But even just there was such great potential from mm-hmm. last year. Last year they could have been there. They could have gotten to a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, things just didn't work out with the referees. Um, so they they were so close, and they really had the team. The unfortunate part is they couldn't pay both Des Bryant and Demarco Murray. Uh, and now with injuries, Brandon Weeds is a quarterback. I mean, that's that's a, <laughs> and last, that's hey, a joke at the moment. Apparently, Matt Castle could start this week or could play this week. They better hope uh, he's not that much better, but he's better. Mm-hmm. It, it's just you know, it, it's tough to injuries is is tough, and I know head coaches are supposed to are supposed to be able to play through that and get past that. And I and I, I think that would be something to be talked about. If it wasn't for the fact that they were just such a dominant team last year, mm-hmm. I think that plus injuries buys Jason Garrett at least one more season to just let's see if we can do it when everybody's here. Mm-hmm. And then as far as Mike Tomlin, once again, injuries is kind of an issue. Uh, you know, Big Ben not not being there definitely is is an issue. Uh, but they, they probably should perform better. And I wouldn't be surprised if they kick it back on a little bit later, uh, especially because, you know, in the offseason, everybody talks about the AFC North having three teams go to the playoffs. And now, and now one of those teams one, is, yeah. Yeah, only one of them looks decent. Uh, and by decent, I mean really good. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. That one surprises me. I I can't imagine Mike Tomlin getting fired, though. He's just one of those guys who he is a fixture to that team. So it would really surprise me if he was gone. Um, Before we move on and just do our brief kind of look at the week coming up in the NFL, I'm going to throw out two more coaches to get your opinion, Mark, and then one that not necessarily a coach, but what will need to change this offseason if they continue on the trend they're on. The two coaches that I'm going to mention, Jay Gruden and Andy Reid. What needs to happen for these teams to say, we'll start with Jay Gruden. What needs to happen for the Redskins to say, thanks but no thanks, you're gone? Oh, man. Uh, I think it might come down to RG3. Even though RG3 is not playing, or is it going to be a thing where it's like, hey, you know what, I Dan Snyder, I want this quarterback. If you're not going to use him, get out of here. Exactly. I, I mean, that's what they've that's what they've been doing. They've been getting rid of people who don't want to work the way Dan Snyder wants them to work. Uh, and I could see that being the end of this, uh, where he'll sit there and be like, "Okay, fun. Your Colt McCoy, Kirk Cousins experiment mm-hmm. didn't work out. It's time to put RG three back in there. He's our superstar." Uh, and that's just being the end of things. Um, and then 
to hmm, the walrus. This one's tough because they performed well at first. But uh, each he, of the years, it's been eleven and five, nine and seven, now one and three to start this year. Yeah, and he always did pretty good things in Philadelphia. But in Philadelphia, he was pretty much always that coach mm-hmm. that was good and got you near, but not good enough to get you there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it looks like it's the same thing. Well, I mean, just kind of in case some of the listeners are like, huh, and that kind of sounds familiar. During his time in Philly, it was loss to the Giants in the divisional round, loss to the Rams in the championship game, Buccaneers championship game, Panthers championship game. Guess what? He And then he lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots. He basically would have played the Patriots. It would have been like if... Two of those games, the Rams and the Panthers won, went his way. New England would have won all three of their Super Bowls against Andy Reid and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. They they had the chance to go to four straight Super Bowls and couldn't get it done. Then Saints divisional round, Cardinals championship game, Cowboys wild card, Packers wild card. Every single time he's been in the playoffs, even in Kansas City, He's lost. He's never won a playoff, or he's never won it all. Uh, it shouldn't say he's never won a playoff game, but he's ten and ten in playoff games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's tough. Uh, yeah, Andy Reid. I think one of his, one of his. Uh, I don't necessarily want to say his legacy, but one of the things that people in Philadelphia complained about was just that he he didn't manage the clock well. He didn't game plan all that well. And at least towards the end, it just didn't seem like he had the best handle on the situation. Uh, and it kind of looks like it might be some of the same issues mm-hmm. in in Kansas City. What do they? What would they need to do for him to be fired? I think if they just absolutely tank, they might. He might be gone. But Andy Reid has has a way of just kind of sticking around. He really does, and it wouldn't surprise me in any way shape or form to see him you know as the you know his costume of the red kool-aid man just (laughs) on the sidelines still would not surprise me at all next year last one this is not just a coach this is a team Mm -hmm. what do you think needs to change if the saints have a terrible season this year um that's, that's a good one too because they're a surprisingly bad team. Everyone thought mm-hmm. they'd be better. Oh, for sure. I definitely thought they'd be a lot better. I thought they'd probably win that division. I thought uh, they'd be. I mean, I had them losing out. Remember what I said, and I still kind of hold true to this, that the Falcons and the Saints are going to have that playoff game in Week 17 to make the mm-hmm. division. It may be between the Panthers and the Falcons instead. Yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I don't know. This, this team is one of those ones. It kind of reminds me at this point of the New York Giants, where it's like you have these important pieces mm-hmm. that nostalgia probably won't let you get rid of. And I'm not saying that Drew Brees is washed up. I'm not saying that Sean Payton's washed up, but it's not working anymore. And sometimes when things just aren't working, who's not working? Payton or Brees? Both. Neither okay. one of them seem to be working right now. 
Uh, I don't necessarily know who is more to blame over the other. I probably wouldn't put the blame on Drew Brees. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't get hurt. That's not good. Uh, that's But it's not his fault. Now, yeah, I just think that something probably needs to change in the way that John Fox got fired from Denver. In the way, well, this one's a little bit different, but Harbaugh got fired from San Francisco. When things just aren't working, you can't necessarily just stick to it for the sake of sticking to it. If you're a Saints, I'm going to throw this out there. If you're a Saints fan, though, are you calling for the head of Sean Payton? Or are you maybe saying, hey, you know what, let's get rid of Rob Ryan first, see if that fixes anything? Sure, you can get rid of Rob Ryan. Um, I don't don't know if that's... I don't know. You know, it, that one's tough. Ever since the whole Bounty Gate scandal, mm-hmm. it's all been downhill. Uh, and understandably, for, for some of it, that was a harsh harsh penalty. Well, uh, I mean, the only the only reason they have a win is because Drew Brees walked off and the Cowboys missed a coverage. Mm-hmm. That's the whole reason why they have one win right now is because the Cowboys missed a coverage in overtime and C.J. Spiller and Drew Brees made them pay. Yeah, I just, I feel like if, if they put the blame on Rob Ryan and say, let's try a different defensive coordinator. I think it'll be the same exact situation. I kind of think he's going to be the scapegoat though. Wouldn't surprise me. He's going to be the scapegoat of this team. Because I mean, because, you know, like we said, these are staples. Mm -hmm. Drew Brees, Sean Payton, those guys are legends down there. And Sean Payton, I think is the first one to go. If one of them needs to go, uh, I can't, I can't imagine Drew Brees not retiring there. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Some maybe some fresh, some fresh new coaching blood would be good for the team. But the Saints gotta be gotta be thinking about the future pretty soon too, when it comes to life after Drew Brees. Well, I mean, the Saints kind of to bridge this over to what's going to go on week number five this week. They are one of the many games this week that are between just one in three teams. And not only that, it's kind of interesting. And I'm going to see if this trend holds up bears, chiefs, one in three teams, bears, winless on the road, chiefs, winless at home. Then you have Jaguars, bucks, one in three, each Jags, winless on the road, bucks, winless at home. Saints, one in three Eagles, one in three saints are winless on the road. Eagles haven't won at home. Then you have Browns and Ravens, both one and three. Guess what? Browns winless away, Ravens winless at home. So, I mean, these are the, and those are the only games we have of just one and three teams. And whoever wins that game is going to get their first win, either home or away. Mm -hmm. That to me is like, wow, that is riveting football. That is just riveting football right there. And I kind of feel like this week in the NFL doesn't really appease me. The only game that like really jumps, there's two games that jump off the page at me. Seahawks, Bengals, Rams, Packers. That's it. Maybe Patriots, Cowboys. No, wait, Romo's not playing. Forget that. Yeah. The one thing I will say, uh, we do have a trap team in here with the Raiders, Broncos. I think a trap game. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, so that one could be interesting, especially because odds are. Give me, give me a percentage that the Raiders win that game. I'll go forty. 
Yeah, I think that's pretty pretty accurate. Forty percent, pretty good. Uh, this is definitely a good team to upset them. And like I was gonna say, at the you know the three o'clock games, this is the best one to watch. Mm-hmm. For sure, the other ones are not very exciting. And I mean, if you don't have the schedule up right now, your afternoon games this week we have Cardinals, Lions, Patriots, Cowboys, and Broncos. Wow, we only got three of them: Broncos, Raiders before the Sunday night one. How about this question for you? And I got to throw it out there. Oh, you know what? Never mind. Lions are the only ones. Do the Lions get their first win against the Cardinals? Uh, no. Are, are we starting the 0-16 watch right now since they're the only oh, one? I, I, I believe we already started it. Man, like, and you sent this text message to the one group chat that we have. And it mm-hmm. was funny because the day that I was hanging out with our friend, podcast friend Dave Oster, I even said that when we were watching games, like, man, wouldn't it be just, like, hilarious if the Lions were the ones to go 0-16, where it's not just you're the only team to go 0-16, you've done it twice. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Even <laughs> funnier, too, people people listening won't completely get it because mm-hmm. it's just one of our friends in our fantasy football league. But I was texting uh, one of our friends, Dave, not former Dave Oster of the podcast, um, about the Lions, and he was like, I just need the Lions to score a touchdown. doesn't matter who the touchdown is by. doesn't matter how it happens. They just need a touchdown. Because and then the fumble happened. To be brought down. And it was so close. It was so close. And then the fumble uh, happened. Poor Dave. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was, oh, man. Oh, man, that is just, I did not know that. Holy crap, that is just, and I mean, this is another week where in fantasy, I mean, this is kind of a different take, but like in fantasy, I'm screwed because Cam Newton's on a bye. I mean, yeah, I could play Andy Dalton, but he's going up against the Seahawks. Yeah. Cam Newton's yeah. on a bye. In another league, I have Cam and Fitzpatrick. Both of them are on buys. It's just, it was a weird week for me in fantasy. How about that Colts-Texans game, though? I mean, the thing I'm thinking about is Andrew Luck, does he need to play for them to win? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, they didn't look bad. Like, I mean, they didn't look good, but Cause right now, against the Because right now, he's listed as out, but he's day-to-day. Mm-hmm. He did not practice. He was limited in today's practice on Monday. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think this game really will be a deciding factor for the starting head, I mean, the starting quarterback of Houston, mm-hmm. you know, because I, they're, they're still not sure about who the starting quarterback is. Hey, that's another coach that I mean, wondering. he's newer, but I mean, Oh, I don't think Bill O'Brien's in any danger. I think he's okay. You think you really think? If they I, I, like think a... he's okay. I think he's okay until he drafts a quarterback. Okay. <laughs> well, he, Hey, he drafted Tom Savage. That doesn't count. He's not a real quarterback. Like a You're talking like round. a first-round quarter quarterback. Yeah, he needs like a okay. first or second round. So, okay, we're going to end the podcast, but before we do, Mark, mm-hmm. what is your, like we do every week, what is your secret game for me to pick in our weekly MVP pickups? I, I think you'll like this game. Uh, it features a couple of really talented athletes. Uh, I'm going to give you the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. Ooh, that's an interesting one. See, this is a weird one. 
Titans coming off the bye. The Bills coming off a game where they had 17 penalties. I am going to go with... Oh, I don't know what I want to do. I really don't. I'm I'm going to be bold. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with the Titans. Yeah, I'm going to go with the... Oh, I'm going to go with the Titans. I am going to ask you, though. Mm-hmm. Pick a number, one or two. Uh, two. Broncos, Raiders. Broncos, Raiders. I will also be bold, Ricky. I'm going to go with the Raiders. No, you're going to pick it. the Raiders. I'm going to pick them to steal it. The ghost of Al Davis is very pleased with you right now. That was a, that was a quick that was a quick pick, so it was kind of in. I was prepared. It was in his trend yeah. for that. So yeah, if you mark going with the Raiders, I'm going to go with the Titans. You can check out our pick'em video later this week on the YouTube channel. We got some great games of five picked out for you guys. But that is going to do it for the onside kick this week. Mark Weber coming in on the phone this week. Hopeful to have him back in the MVP studios next week. You can tell us down below what you thought of anything we talked about in today's podcast. If you're on YouTube, go ahead, hit that like button, that subscribe button. If you're on SoundCloud, hit that repost and that follow button. I want to thank you guys all for listening to this podcast. You can hit me up on Twitter at Ricky Widmer. Mark is at the with two E's Mark Weber and most valuable podcast is at most valuable pod. Thank you again for checking this out. And as always, Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.